morning. How is everyone? Good to see you all. You're looking pretty summery. You're starting to see some summer peeking out. Let's all stand and let's start to worship.
Well, he is good, am I right? Yes, he is. Can you guys turn and say good morning to people around you? Welcome them if you haven't seen them. We're so glad to see everyone here this morning, but I'll tell you something that's pretty, pretty awesome that I wanted to share with you guys this morning is Jeff Schlump is in the house. We're so glad he's back. He's right back there. Praise God. He's healing up. We are so thankful to see him. So I was super happy to see him this morning. So we're going to continue to praise God and, uh, Worship him. I've searched the world, but it
Amen. Father, oh, you turn bones into armies. That's amazing, Father. We're so thankful to be your kids and that we get to sit underneath you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you feel welcome here. We ask your spirit to come into this place this morning even more. You are already here waiting for us, but Father, we want you here. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to be pleased with what's coming from our mouths, being sung to you, Jesus. Lord, would you just come in and sweep over us today? Be the, with the ones that are sitting here hurting. Be with the ones that need encouraged. And Lord, I pray that we will all turn to you and know that you are our only in everything we do. You're our source. Not our resource, but our source. And Father, we're grateful that you've allowed us to be able to sit at your feet. So I pray that you will be pleased as we continue to worship you. Jesus, we love you and thank you for all you're doing. Calm our spirits and start flowing through us, Jesus, and start getting us ready for the sermon. But Lord, we, we want you to feel loved on this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.
never gave up on me. You were my testimony. rescued? I ask that a lot, and I see more hands each time. I've been rescued. I'll probably need rescued again, but oh, isn't he good to come chase after us? Isn't he good? He's just such a loving God. Even when it's tough, we don't expect it to turn out good, or it's not looking good. He still shows up, and he does the unexpected, which is nice that he's not predictable. Isn't that good? We always think we know what he's going to do. Or, if you're like me, you give directions. Let me tell you how this should go down, Lord. He's like, you're so cute. <laughs> and then he turns it and surprises me every time. In all these years of living, he still surprises me. That's a good God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness. God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness. I've known you as a father. 
We praise you, Father. All our lives you've been there. We're so grateful. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for sitting beneath us and holding us. Thank you for settling us down after a busy, crazy morning just trying to get here. Lord, there is nothing better than worshiping you. Thank you for putting us in a country that we're free to do that. Father, I pray we would do that with our whole hearts, that we will chase after you with our whole hearts, that we will tell people about you and what you've done with our whole hearts. Father, I pray we will love you with our whole heart, mind, body, and soul. That's what you told us to do, and that's how you love us. Father, be here this morning. We welcome you in as your words getting ready to be delivered. Just let your spirit move. this morning, Jesus. Be pleased with it. Anoint Pastor Matt as he's getting ready to come out. Lord, I just pray that you will surround him with what it is that you want to say to us and that we will take it personal. That it will be something that buries deep down inside of us and changes us because we don't want to leave here the same. And if we do want to leave here the same, Lord, change that too we need to be more like you. We love you so much, Father. And we just pray all of this, all this coming from your kids, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Yes, music was great this morning. God has been good, and uh, we are thankful for all that he is doing in our lives. I just want to uh, share a couple things before we get started this morning. Last night, we had a banquet. Number one, it was just great to be together and sit down and eat with one another. It was just nice to just, yeah, just fellowship, and, and uh, we had a great time. There was good fellowship, laughter. Uh, fun and here is a great thing is we had kind of it's a board we had kind of set two uh, just two challenges and goals for our church body that we we really would like to have an emergency fund just for those things that can happen you know that are unexpected and uh, and then as well also we want to do some work in making an, an entryway that is just more inviting and we were able to gather to raise over twenty four thousand dollars last night yeah. And it was great, and so that gives us the opportunity to move forward in those directions, and we give God thanks, and I thank each one of you who have participated. Um, if some of you would still want to participate and help with that, there are some cards in front of the uh, sound booth there uh, for that that you can uh, fill out uh, for those specific needs. I also want to thank uh, Pastor Larry and Pastor Scott. I know Scott is not here today, but they filled in for me these past two weeks, and I heard they did a great job, and thankful for them. And also, uh, thank you for just the time uh, we... we uh, I had to make it out of here real quick uh, to 
drive clear to Cincinnati for the funeral, and basically I felt like I drove in and I preached a sermon, and, and we, we kind of had to, had some, uh, I don't know, uh, veg, or, well, actually out there it was more like Coney's. I don't know if you're from the Cincinnati area, but anyway, they have these amazing gold star Coney's, but we ate a lot and enjoyed fellowship with our family, and then we saw our daughter and her husband graduate from Mid-American Nazarene University. And it was great. So, uh, yeah, we had a good time. And it was, so we thank you uh, for that. I also need to announce, before I forget, that the veterans, there's to be a veterans committee meeting after the service in the back. I guess you know, maybe back in the corner over there by the kitchen. If you would just meet for the, you know who you are, veterans committee meeting. And uh, that'll be great. Well, We've reached that time of the service where we uh, together want to continue to worship the Lord in our tithes and offerings. And the reason why we call this a time of worship is because it's our moment to express trust in God. Meaning, we thank you, God, for all that you've given us, and we're entrusting you with just you know, 10, 10% back giving back to you, Lord, uh, saying thank you, and we trust you uh, to continue to take care of us with all that you've given. So today, um, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward, and I'll go ahead and pray, and they will uh, bring the, the plates by. Lord, we thank you this day for your provision for us. We thank you, God, for providing for us. We thank you, Lord, for the great uh, just outpouring of your people last night. And we pray, God, that you will continue uh, to just bless the tithes and offerings that are given today in a true faith and a, a trusted assurance, God, that you will always take care of us. We thank you, God, for how you provided and how you will continue to provide. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness, I am so excited for Kids Camp, Colorado District Nazarene Kids Camp at Golden Bell. I met so many amazing friends last year, and I'm excited to make some new ones this year. Man, I cannot wait for Youth Camp this summer, June 4th, June 7th, at Golden Bell. I might be a little scared doing the zip line, but I'm, I am going to do it this year. I'm going to do it. The pool... And then archery. Archery is going to be super, super fun. Man, they're going to have main event competitions this year at camp. They're having a couple escape rooms. The worship services are always awesome. It's going to be so fun learning more about Jesus. And I think we can even go horseback riding if we want to. There's miniature golf. We're going to have Oscar Diaz as our camp speaker this year. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. Oh, oh my goodness, I'm so Whoa. sorry. I'm no so sorry. Worries. No worries. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Where, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to youth camp and I cannot wait. Awesome. Do you I don't know where I'm going though. Well, I think I saw it. It's that way. Oh, okay. Great. Awesome. Where are you going? I'm actually going to kids camp. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just saw the entrance. Just saw the entrance that way. Yeah. Really? Right that okay. way. Keep walking that way. Cool. Have, Have fun. See ya. Bye. For all of you who have kiddos, Kindergarten through fifth grade, we have two exciting camps coming up at Golden Bell for the Colorado District Nazarene Camps. The first one for kindergarten through first grade would be on Wednesday, June 30th through Friday, July 2nd. The deadline for registration is June 7th and it's $185. For second grade through fifth graders, 
That camp is Monday, June 28th through Friday, July 2nd. Also deadline on June 7th, and this one is for $323. If any of your kids are interested in signing up for this camp, please go to goldenbellccc.org to get your kids registered for camp. NYI Summer Camp will be Friday, June 4th through Monday, June 7th. Please sign up with me, Scott Green, if you're interested in going. Cost will be $2.30 if you get it to me by May 6th. Let me know as soon as you can if you are interested in going to NYI Summer Camp. All right, very good. And by the way, um, you know, this week I knew that there was an appeal that came, went out um, asking for help at Golden Bell, and I know there was quite a few of you. If you helped at Golden Bell this week, would you just, uh, would you just stand um, if you helped there this week? Man, well, what a great group. Thank you for all you did to help. They had like almost 400 people, and I think we were serving around 300 or so at, at, at the meals. It was a lot of folks, and they needed a lot of help. But here's a great thing about camp, and one of the things I want to share in regards to, uh, to what we just saw is that when our kids go to camp, uh, things happen. Lives are changed and transformed. And we see more people saved at Golden Bell Camp than are, that's, than, than are saved on our whole district throughout the rest of the year. So it's an amazing, wonderful time. And uh, thank you for your support of our district camp. Well, we are in Acts chapter 2. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, or your phone, or whatever you're using, tablet, uh, we're going to begin in verse 1, and, uh, and this is the day of Pentecost that we are going to be uh, reading about. And, and the sermon title of this today would be, uh, if I had to sum it up, would be Transformed and Intoxicated. Transformed and intoxicated. It'll make sense. <laughs> All right. So uh, we begin in verse 1, and it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It's beginning in verse 1 there. And, and I realize that on our Christian calendar, by the way, that next Sunday, a week from today, is actually uh, when we celebrate Pentecost. But we're, we're going to continue this theme next week. But I wanted to start here this week because uh, I, there there is just really uh, not enough time to go through, to be able to capture all of this chapter in one Sunday. But this day of Pentecost, I want us to just realize there um, in that first verse, and as a matter of fact, you might use this as a little bit of a homework uh, later on when you get home, but every time you see in this chapter all together, I would just underline that, all together, every time you see that. You're going to find uh, that it is of great importance, but here they are once again, and we know in chapter 1 that they all were in the upper room, they were praying, they were making decisions, and... and uh, but, uh, but this day, the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, it says, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I... I, I 
find this, this portion of Scripture uh, so important for us to really uh, delve into because when we talk about fire, there is a specific understanding that we see throughout Scripture when fire is brought into the room, so to speak. It tells us in the Bible that our God is a consuming fire. And when that says those words, what it is basically trying to convey to you and me is this, is that when God comes onto the scene, nothing else is going to be able to have a place. Everything else is going to be consumed. Everything else is going to be burned up. Everything else is going to be taken away because our God is a jealous God, and he's not going to have any other gods around him, beside him, before him, anything else in your life that has been taking precedence, God will consume that through the power of his fire. Our God is a consuming fire. I don't know that we actually take enough time anymore to really delve into and understand the importance of transformation in our lives. I am concerned at times that we can just gloss over so many things and everything just seems uh, kind of just nice and we put a nice veneer on everything and we don't really get down to the nitty gritty of the fact that, you know what, we all have a common struggle. And even if it's not taking over in your life, Scripture reminds us it's always crouching at the door. And that is sin. I, there was a study that was done uh, the year before COVID uh, came and, and uh, just kind of wrecked everything. But that study was done in mainline and evangelical churches. And what they found was that in one year's time that the word sin was only mentioned in 30% of the churches. The need of repentance was only mentioned 30% of the time. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If there's no such thing as sin, then we don't have a need for a Savior. And I'm telling you right now, I have struggled with sin. I have issues with sin. And I thank God that there is a Savior. It's given me victory over sin in my life. If there is no such thing as sin, then why do we need a Savior? Amen? Amen. So today, I want to start with that premise that we all have a common struggle. And the struggle is this. We struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against authorities. And there's authorities want to bring sin in your life. And the only thing that keeps you from giving in to sin, the only thing that keeps sin just at, the, at bay, the only thing that keeps you from maybe saying those things that you really want to say, you know what I'm talking about? The only thing that keeps you from telling the person that they're number one who cut you off, you, you understand what I'm saying. The only thing that does that is the power of our God and the power of the Spirit within you. And suddenly when things happen in your life and when things go awry and, and, and you're wondering why in the world am I having to deal with this, you, you may not even realize it. Some of us maybe have been Christians so long that we forget that the thing that is giving us constraints and the thing that is giving us grace to be overcomers is the power of the Holy Spirit within us that is resting upon us like fire and consuming those things that we know we shouldn't do and we, helps us to make the right decision when we could have made the wrong decision. We thank God. I, 
I sometimes think, well, we, we look at this and we think, well, you know, this was this great, a momentous moment, and I believe everything that is said here. This came in like a rush of wind, and there was fire that separated on their heads. But I believe that still is happening today. Last night after the banquet, I was, we, we had quite a bit of food left over, and uh, Diane came by and she said that, that several people had talked about it and they're taking the extra food over to the fire station and to the police station. I believe that a mighty rush of wind and a little bit of fire went with that food. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we just don't think about it in these ways, but every time you do something in Jesus' name, fire comes. And a little bit of wind blows through that may have never been sensed ever before. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. I believe that that is there for a specific reason. And the specific reason that I would say that that's there for is to let us know that our God is intentional about the way that he moves in our midst. He knew that there were going to be people in Jerusalem at that point from all over the corners of the known world to those folks at that time. And he chose, you know what, I think this will be a good time to reveal my power in a way that it's not been revealed maybe ever before. So in verse 6 it says, when they heard this sound... A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And then Peter, he stood up with the eleven and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd and he said fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what I say these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning no this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and he gives this amazing sermon that was based on what the prophet Joel had said that the spirit of God was going to be poured out upon all people upon our sons and our daughters and they will prophesy and see visions and have dreams and and in the last days that God is going to do amazing things beyond what has ever been seen I I love this portion of scripture because it reminds me that we are a powerful people when we are plugged in to Jesus. We are a powerful people when we are plugged in to Jesus. I look at this and, and I, I think, you know, uh, people, regardless of what their background is, when they realize their need and they see the answer for their need, 
I don't care who they are, where they're from, what their language is. Everyone, everyone is attracted to Jesus when they realize their need for a Savior. We have power when we're plugged into Jesus. And so we, we, we looked at this, and, and I want to just kind of give you a little bit of just a uh, background on what I see happening here in Acts as Luke is giving us this account. You see, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus shared uh, some words with us, and he said, you know, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for that patch will tear away from the garment, making the tear worse. But then he goes on to say, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And what we're seeing happening here in Acts chapter 2 is that God is pouring new wine into new wineskins, and things are happening, and people are being preserved, and it's all happening through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. People were made aware of their need and later on, we read that 3,000 in one day give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great to see that every day in our midst? Amen. We need days like that. We need revival once again. Well, we, we read this, and, and I, I noticed something uh, interesting here is that uh, some were amazed, but some said, oh, they're just intoxicated. They're just drunk. I have a good friend who, uh, who uh, is, is an alcoholic, and, and he's uh, been sober for quite some time, but I'm telling you, when he gave his heart to the Lord, there was a mark change. If you want to get an idea, when he, when he talked about, you know, uh, how God came to him and changed him, it was a 180. I mean, no one, could, no one could deny that this guy has changed. Even if they were an atheist, they would have to admit, something's happening with this guy. He was very successful, had his own business, he was a functioning alcoholic, but he said, I would find myself even just sabotaging myself sometimes. He said, that's just, and he said, I would do anything I had to. Any, tell any lie that I needed to cover up in any way that I had to just to be able to have that next drink. He said, I was consumed by alcohol. It consumed me. All he worried about primarily was making enough money that he could continue to be intoxicated. And, and he said, here's the thing that really bugs me, Pastor, as he was talking to me about the struggles that he has had in his life, he said, you normies, and that's what they, he called people who didn't struggle with alcoholism. <laughs> he said, you know, you're able, to, you're able to get away with so much because you're intoxicated on so many things, but nobody takes any and pays much attention to it. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, you're intoxicated with, he said, you know, there are people out there in our churches that are intoxicated with with." control they got to have control i mean control is so important to them they're intoxicated with success whatever it takes uh however you it messes up maybe their family and their relationships and whoever they have to step over to get to the top they're going to do it they're intoxicated with success some people are intoxicated with he said you know, jealousy 
Some people are intoxicated with having to be right. And he said, but if anyone wants to point out a fault or a sin, they point at me first. <laughs> because what I have done is so evident. But sometimes what is happening in our side of our lives, we need to take a close look at as well. The question is this that he was basically putting before me. What are you drunk on this morning? What intoxicates your life? I mean, what is it that over and above anything else, you say, man, if I have more of this, if I could have more of that, I'll take it any way I can get it. We all have something that's transforming us. We all have something that is intoxicating to us. The question is, what is it? And if it's not Jesus Christ, what are you going to do about it? Amen? <laughs> so we, we come to this point and, and we think about all these things. and What intoxicates our life? What is our drink of choice? And, and I look at this group and you know what? They were making fun of them, it says in verse 13. They've had too much wine. Well, they were intoxicated. They were transformed. But they were not intoxicated with alcohol. They were intoxicated with Jesus. And I'm telling you what, sometimes when Jesus comes onto the scene, people do things that you just wouldn't expect normally. And, what, and here's what is happening there is they, they are speaking in, in languages they didn't even know they could speak in. And sometimes there may be some people, and you might be just like myself, that I... I had this great fear of going up to someone for the purpose of seeking to disciple them into the faith. And I remember times when God had said to me, Matt, you need to really love on this individual. They're in a tough place in their life. And they may not even be in part of the church that I was pastoring, but God has put them in my path. And, and that didn't come natural to me. But you know what? When I said yes, suddenly... God spoke through me in ways that I didn't even know he was speaking through me. Suddenly they would come back and they'd say, you know what, would you pray for me, pastor? And I never would have dreamed that they would have ever come and asked me to pray for them. But here's what it starts out with. It's, it starts out with this, am I intoxicated with Christ? <laughs> Pentecost. It's power. Pentecost means we drink a new wine. Pentecost is about a new spirit, a Holy Spirit of God that fills and intoxicate us, intoxicates us. We are intoxicated by God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's generosity, God's beauty, God's deeds of power in our lives. Pentecost is a day of Sober drunkenness. <laughs> How's that for a paradox? <laughs> a lady was talking with me not long ago, and she had shared that uh, she was going through uh, an issue with her health that was pretty serious. Um, and she said, I have been going to the same doctor's office uh, because I have to have regular scheduled appointments as I go there. And, 
and she said, I'm not feeling 100%, and I know the Lord is my Savior, but I'm not feeling real good. And she said, while I've been there, I have treated two women who are treating me for my health needs so poorly. She said, I have been so rough with them, and I've been so mean. And she said, and I, and, and she said, I didn't mean to be. She said, I was hurting inside physically, and so I kind of lashed out and said things I shouldn't have said. And she said, but she said, as I was nearing my final appointment, she said, I felt, and she said, I didn't even know what had come over me. She said, I'd already signed the paperwork, I'd already paid my payment, and I'm leaving the building. And she said, and I just felt something overwhelming coming over me. And she said, I realize now it's this thing called conviction. Conviction's a good thing, by the way. And the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she convicted her, and she said, I had to turn around and she said, I walked back towards the desk, and you could see the two ladies who had been helping me, and their eyes were this big, because they're like, oh, great. What's she going to unload on us about now? <laughs> and she said, I walked back, and I said to them, I am sorry for the way that I've treated you. I know I've been hard and difficult to deal with. Please forgive me. I'm going to tell you that was a moment of Pentecost. Suddenly in that place, a wind blew. Suddenly at that time, the Spirit was moving. I want you to think about the day that you fell in love with your significant other. Maybe, maybe it didn't work out. Maybe uh, you know, this was a childhood thing or whatever else. But the, we've all probably had that experience of falling in love at one point in our life. It, regardless, it had to be probably a day of sober drunkenness. <laughs> uh, you were completely sober. Your mind was clear and convinced. Your eyes were focused. Your intentions were strong. And it's the same time you were completely swept off of your feet. Crazy drunk in love, you could say. You knew this was it, but you couldn't even describe what it was. You know what I mean? It's the same way when we're being given the gift of love by our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, we get to a place and and when we realized, when we got to that place where we fell fully in love with Jesus, we couldn't even explain exactly what it was. We're left speechless. It's an undeserved gift. It's unexpected. It's unimaginable. But here's the thing. The love and the joy and the peace and the gratitude that you received when you received Jesus into your life, that was your Pentecost. That was your day. And the wind of God's generosity blew through your life and changed both you and it changed those around you. This kind of stuff is happening all around us. And I want you to know for us, church, the day of Pentecost is not just one day of the year. The day of Pentecost is every day of the year. It's not just an event in the history of the church. It's also the grace that continues to flow through the people of Pentecost. 
And so today, I want to challenge you as, as we hear together, I want to challenge you to allow that love, that, that grace, that strength, that power to say no to sin, to say no to our culture, to say no when you know that things are evil and not right. I want you to allow that to flow through you, and I want you to ex- not only just bring it on, I want you to just say, God, I want it to flow through me more and more and more, because here's what happens, is Pentecost people change the world. I know that that may have a different connotation because we think of Pentecostal as one thing. I want you to know Pentecostal is this, is we are powered by the Holy Spirit. We are Holy Spirit-driven people, and that's what we're about. That sober drunkenness of Pentecost fills our lives to the brim with love, with God's goodness. It opens our eyes to the mystery of God and the wonder and beauty of life. It softens our heart and it calls us to find ourselves in Christ and in the service of others. And it allows us to stand in that most holy place of our truest and most authentic self. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why we find certain people so attractive and we want to be like them because we realize, you know what? They are more like Jesus And we want that in our lives. Today we've come to be reminded of a reality. I talked to you about my friend that uh, he he was uh, an alcoholic, but he was a Christian. And he said, you know, one of the things that I struggled with is, he said, as I go to recovery meetings, he said, I always will say, well, hello, my name is, we'll call him Joe. My name is Joe, and, and uh, I'm an alcoholic. And he said, I began to change that. He said, because that was the old Joe. And so he said, when I go to a meeting now, he said, I'll say, hello, my name is Joe, and I'm a child of God. Now that's Transformation. That's what we want to see happening in our lives and around us. We don't want people to be defined by their past anymore. And we live in a world where we are so defined by how we were born or how we were raised or what area we were in or what we think or what we feel. I want you to know that we need to be transformed not by our feelings. We need to be transformed by, transformed by a faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. That's why this transformation is so important. And this message of transformation is so important because God, yes, He loves you right where you are. We sing that song, Just As I Am. We, God loves you just as you are, but we, as Christians, church, have to move from just as I am to I surrender all in our life. And until we find ourselves in that place, until we find ourselves in that flow, we're not going to see the power move in the way that the power could through us. God is not asking for absolute perfection. He's asking for absolute surrender, church. So that his perfection can flow through you. But surrender is not easy, is it? (laughs) My friend who said, shared this with me, he said, well, he said, I I do that. And he said, and I, I share those things. He said, but here's what I'm finding more and more in my life. 
He says, as I've gone for, through years as a Christian, he says, the moment that I think of maybe wanting to sin or a temptation is right there at my door, and the moment that between that or maybe even the moment where I step over the line and I do sin and the moment where I repent, he said, as I've been growing in soberness, but yet in intoxication with God, he said, that moment between when I cross the line and when I repent is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Because he said, as Christ is growing in me and the old me is dying, I'm finding that I want to be like Jesus a whole lot than I want to, more than I want to be like my old self. And that's what we're about, church. This world is in a place where it's hurting and it's dying and there's confusion and there's sin and there's issues with evil and people don't know the right from wrong and or, or right from left or we we there are issues out there that need to be addressed but i'm telling you it starts with this first and foremost with people who are living a life that shines a light that says you know what that looks attractive to me this man whose name i'm calling joe he was uh, well-seasoned up in years and as I sat with him and some of the recovery uh, groups where where he was at and leading and I helped with uh, I would watch as some of the younger folks who had just come maybe through a a rehab program or something and they would just look up to him because they knew he had been there and done that and bought the t-shirt but here's the thing, they were seeing something in him that they never found in the bottom of that bottle. They were finding something in him that they never found in the drugs that they were taking. And here's what I notice is even those who didn't know, have a background or a clue about who Jesus was, they would just kind of look at him almost with these eyes filled with awe. You want to know why? It's because he represented hope in Jesus to them. And sometimes you may not realize it because the people around us in our world are so hurting and they're so jaded and they, they are so uh, critical and cynical. They, they may not even realize it, but they are seeing something in you that is attractive to them. And sometimes when they lash out at you and maybe they say something that is cynical or something that hurts or something that's painful, really what they're doing is they're trying to poke at you to see, is what I think is in you, is that really in you? And of course, if we mess up, which we do at times, and we say something we shouldn't or we react and we, oh boy, they will just jump right over that. Satan has a field day with that. So we have to be on our guard, and that's why when we see this fire that comes down from heaven that separates onto the people, we need to understand we want that fire on us too because I want Matt to be consumed. I don't like the old Matt. Trust me, you wouldn't like the old Matt. I want more of Jesus because when I look more like him, I realize more of who I truly am as a child of God. Today, I, I want you to know, first and foremost, men, women, that you are a child of God, made in his likeness, made 
to praise and worship Him, made to love Him, and made to love others and to serve in His name. And I'm telling you, I believe 110% if the church rises up and begins to fulfill this mandate of loving God with all of our hearts, with loving others as we would love ourselves, with the purpose of making disciples. If the church rises up in that moment, it will change everything. I don't want to look like the rest of the world. I don't want to be led by the media. I don't want to be led by desires to be something that I was never meant to be. I've been intoxicated with wanting to be the best in some area or wanting to buy this over here in this area or wanting to have this in my life or to want to have the knowledge to, to know all things. And those were just simple, simple, awful <laughs> adventures in missing the point. And the point is this, Jesus Jesus. Do I look like Jesus? Do I look like him? If I look more like him, then it will be worth it all when I see him face to face. I want to look more like Jesus. That's not why I'm letting my beard grow longer. But it might help. <laughs> Today, we come to a time of communion, and if we could have our ushers, I'm not sure where the communion cups are at right now, but uh, if we could, oh, they're in the back. Um, if we could have some of our ushers just to hand those out, and as they do that, if we will have our, our worship team come forward. I... One of the things of, of so many that I love about our time of communion is that when we do communion, remember those two words that I told you to underline? We, we do it all together. It's because we're the body of Christ. And though we have many different personalities and many different giftings and many different backgrounds, we find our commonality in the head which is Christ, who moves us, who works through our personalities, who works through our giftings, and does his great work and sees his great plans move forward as we find ourselves and our identity in him, in Jesus, and we are consumed of all of the things that would pull us away from him. So as we take of communion today and if I could have someone bring a cup up here please oh actually Lori she's on it thank you um, I, as, we, as we come to this time of communion I would like to ask you to take a, a sober look at yourself is there anything in your life and is there anything in my life that, that's getting between me and God because anything that gets between me and God is an idol, and it needs to be burned up. It needs to be burned up. Today, if you're uh, 
Uh, Christian, you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. You need to be part of the family of God. And, and even today, you might say, well, I, I'm, I'm not... I've not accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've not repented of my sins. I'm telling you, there's no better time than during communion to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And so today, as you find yourself maybe here, maybe you're you're sensing, I want to make a decision. There is only glory and beauty found in these altars. And the beauty of an altar is simply this. We kneel to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We give him our everything, and it's a beautiful place to meet him. So today, if you would like to ask the Lord Jesus into your heart, I want to invite you to come forward as we take these elements together. Would you stand with me? As you take off that top clear piece of cellophane, you need to get that one by itself first or it'll be hard to get to it afterwards you'll find just a piece of bread a wafer unleavened and this represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ some folks even like to take that and just break it and when you break it you're reminded that Christ was broken. His body was broken for you. He took on your failures and your afflictions and your pain and your suffering. He took on your sin. And he was broken for you. So take this and eat and give thanks to God for the gift of his son. You pull back the purple there on top of the cup it reveals this juice and and this represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ the blood that flowed from his brow, from his side from his back from his very pores as he was struggling in the moments of realizing the depth of what it was going to be to experience to take on our sin but we thank our Lord Jesus for that. And so today, as you take this and drink, give thanks for the shedding of his blood for the salvation of our sins. Dear God, we thank you for your saving grace. We thank you, God, that you have brought to us justification and atonement. We thank you, God, for sanctifying grace that continues to move in us and through us, making us more and more into your likeness every day, every year. We thank you, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit that gives us the ability. There's nothing within us that that we could do anything good in of ourselves, but God, through the power of your Spirit, we give thanks that we can be made to be Christ-like. Lord, it's our greatest goal and it's our greatest desire. And if today, if there's anything, Lord, that is in the way, 
we ask, God, just like you did so many years ago, to burn it up and use us in ways, God, that will be amazing because, God, we realize we need revival in our country. We need it in our community. We need it in our world. And so we ask, God, today that you will start a Pentecostal fire right here in our midst. A Holy Spirit revival. For God, we do things we serve and we love in ways that are way beyond anything we can do in and of ourselves. We thank you, God, for what you have done, what you're going to do, and what you will do in our future. I thank you, God, for Woodland Life Church, and I thank you, Lord, for the promise that you have upon it and for the plans and for the purposes that you have for its future. I pray, God, that you will do amazingly more than we could ever imagine or conceive. We pray these things, God, expectantly, because you are the God above all. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And today we bow before you. We proclaim you our Savior, our everything. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's close with the song.
never gave up on me. You were my testimony. Oh, you never gave up on me. You never gave up on me. You were my testimony. I want you to know that, again, you are a child of God. And there is favor upon those who are children of God. And I'm not talking about favor that's, you know, you're going to find a Cadillac in your front yard when you get home. I'm talking about real favor where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and causes you to be someone you never thought you could be because the power of God is upon you. And so today, I want you to know, again, you are a son. You are a daughter of God. Walk in that strength. Walk in that power as you go from this place to every place where you rub shoulders with those who are going to be looking to you to reveal something that they need in them. Lord, thank you for this good day. I thank you, God, for all that you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Well, you're dismissed in God's great grace and love, and thank you for coming here today.